Hi, I'm Jennifer Mulholland. And I'm Jeff Shuck. We're the co-leaders of Plenty. Thanks for joining our podcast, Plenty for Everyone. Each episode, we talk with conscious leaders like you to explore abundance in work and life, fulfillment in head and heart, and ways we can all work together to make this world a better place. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Plenty for Everyone, the podcast for conscious leaders like you. This is Jeff Shuck and Jen Mulholland. We are the principals of Plenty, and we're so glad to be talking with you today. It's early April here, and Jen, is it mid-January there? You are, if you're not watching us on YouTube, Jen has a winter hat on, which is totally appropriate because while outside of Chicago where I am, it's spring. It's absolutely still winter wonderland in Park City. Tell us about it. It is. It's been our best winter yet. It's just incredible what has happened. Definitely have had the best ski day powder days I've ever had here, but our mountains are kind of on pace if it continues to snow throughout the month to reach a record of almost a thousand inches. We hit a record of 800 inches. My deck and my yard, I think I have like six feet of snow and like 10 feet snow banks. So it is winter wonderland here. And I'm so grateful for the playground it provides us because for us that live here, just really enjoy the skiing and the hiking and the whatever skate skiing activities it brings. But yeah, we're kind of nervous a little bit about the melt off that's going to oh, happen yeah. as there's that we turn into desert warmth. And so there's a lot of talk about get your sandbags and kind of gear up for the melt off and flooding that is expected to happen. But yes, we are winter here in Park City as we kind of wrapped up our spring lantern session last week. But I'll let you talk about a little bit what we have teed up today and would say if you are a skier and you want to come out for a last minute weekend and you're listening to this, I would say come before April 23rd when the resorts close. Yeah. I mean, I love that. First of all, just the message of like, let's not make a problem attached to every blessing. You know, <laughs> yes, there's going to be a lot of water when it melts. It's almost impossible to describe. And I wouldn't have believed it if I wasn't there last week for Lantern. And it was just, it's hysterical because this is supposed to be our spring Lantern. And I kid you not, to people who are listening to us, we had people walking down the streets. We do a lot of like hikes outside that had to be completely changed because when you see the pictures, the snow is three or four feet above their heads on these, on these places that we're walking. I mean, it is absolutely fantastical in a lot of ways and added a very dreamy quality to Lantern. You know, Lantern, if you've listened to our podcast, is our leadership retreat. It happens three times a year. This is our eighth year. And it's always incredibly enlightening and I think dreamy and transformative. And this year with, you know, feet of snow, no exaggeration, falling while we were doing it, it just kind of added this layer of cozy calm to everything. And that's kind of one of the things we wanted to talk about, just how we watched people get insight. What is the nature of insight? Where does it come from? 
you know, we spend all week at Lantern watching people have these huge internal connections and these huge external connections. And it's, it's honestly amazing. So we wanted to talk about that idea of insight and where it comes from and then how we both experienced it at Lantern last week and over the weekend with different projects that we're working on. And this is going to take us 12 hours, I think. <laughs> you have this topic. Let's hope not because we have other things to do. <laughs> yeah, it is really um, remarkable to look back and appreciate just the shift and change we get to witness in people and strangers that don't know each other and that come from all over the world to take a time out of three and a half days to open up and to slow down and to be in sacred space so they can hear the sight from within. And that's really what insight is, is we all have it. We all have access to it. And sometimes life just gets busy and it distorts our ability to see and to hear the muse, the whispers, the wisdom that we all have an attunement to. And so Lantern's really designed to help people look inside and tap into the site within so that they can lead with more authentic light, lead their lives, lead themselves and lead others in business. And yeah, it's interesting. It's really hard to put into words, quite honestly, what transpires. And I'm not even going to attend to. I think what I'm always struck with and what I was struck with again this week is the feeling that changes and shifts of the feeling, you know, even in my body on Tuesday night when we kick off, I had a couple of friends there that one I hadn't seen and, you know, share that space with for 35 years, but we had stayed connected. And another who I would say is like a relatively new friend over the last 10 years. And I felt surprisingly nervous having them be there and, you know, watching what happened within my body and watching and witnessing what was transpiring in them calmed me. And this feeling of like settledness, the feeling of being comfortable in your own body and being more deeply than ever before, a feeling of remembering oh yeah, this is who I've always been. I think that was one of the coolest things I witnessed when several people kind of articulated and wrote down what they felt like their purpose was for being here. And the aha, the insight, the light bulb moment that came on for them to say, oh my God, like this is not something I'm reaching for or I have to create a new this has always been me and I just forgot or I didn't give it any value or worth. And that feeling in the room, I think just emanates outside of the walls and it will emanate outside and ripple into their lives and in their communities and in their workplaces and home lives. And I'm not sure how we can measure that or even quantify it or articulate it, but it certainly is a dream come true to witness not only other people tap into the insights, the wisdom, the nature of being light, as we call it, soul, spirit in a human form, but also for you and I to be 
part of the process, not only as guides and facilitators, but we're having our own kind of connected moments as we also kind of tap into that feeling of illumination for ourselves. And, you know, it's Tuesday here and I'm just sitting in awe of gratitude that we got to witness and experience that in the room again at HeartSpace and excited to see what those leaders do with their lives. Yeah, I love what you're pointing to. I mean, when we talked this morning about this idea of what is the nature of insight, exploring that idea, you just nailed something that we talk about, the idea that it's in the name, right? It's sight from within. And one of the things you just said, you know, you won't try to put it into words, and I'm going to make the mistake of trying to put it into words. I'm not going to get it quite right. But we always have kind of an internal laugh on Tuesday night when it's starting because people are a little nervous. Nobody's sure what to expect. We're all meeting each other and we'll be having hors d'oeuvres or something. And you'll hear people say things like, I'm interested in discovering something new for myself, or I'm interested in kind of reaching a new thing. And we always smile a little bit to ourselves because we know that it's not a discovering, it's a rediscovering, like you said. And people by the last day will say things like, I feel like I've come home. I feel like I've rediscovered who I always had been. And I think that is an interesting thing about insight versus knowledge. Knowledge we kind of can acquire and add to in life, but insight is often, we all have wisdom is something that we talk about at Lantern. The problem is a lot of us in life learn ways to ignore it. So we can climb the ladder or manage our families or manage our careers. Like we kind of get good at not listening to our gut all the time, of pushing through on things that we don't like, of grinding things out. And so the analogy we use is kind of wiping off the windshield that's gotten dirty. You already have the wisdom in you. We just kind of have trained ourselves to ignore it. So I love that first thing that you're pointing to about insight. You don't have to create it, you have it. What is needed is some awareness some calm and some space so you can hear the ways that you know your body or your spirit or your instincts are talking to you all the time yeah and i think like there's a fun play on words of it's in sight but it's also in sense it's literally sensing those feelings from inside out that what feels so exciting in the space we've created at Lantern is that there's a trust that happens amongst strangers where there's a deep sharing, a mirrored reflection, a listening that happens to help people really see and sense what is true for them. And that happens in the art of reflection, not in the art of fixing. <laughs> it's not a therapy session. We're really, I think, intentional about creating that construct that this is not therapy week. But in the, the using the art of reflection and using the ability of strangers coming together, human beings communing in a common direction of growth, we underestimate that power. And I think in just a couple of days, we see not only a settling in, but a deepening of a trust and a, a remarkable respect that occurs in this group of people that nobody knew before. And if that happens in a group of strangers in a room in Park City, Utah, what could that offer 
you know, the world, how much more connected, how much more the same are we if we were able to like really listen and reflect back the yearnings, the learnings, the growth that we each have to offer each other. I think one of the things we mindfully do and intentionally do in the practices encourage others not only to look within for their own light, what is the quality of it? What is its truth? What is the wisdom of the whispers that it's speaking to us every day, but also looking for the light in another. And when we look beyond form or look beyond personality or ego or uh, belief, that we can see the light that's shining within another person. And there's a benefit to all when we do that, right? Not only is that other person seen and heard more deeply, but we're able to see more of the commonality, the sameness that happens at the core of our differences. And I think if we could do that at a more expansive scale, what would this world look like? I feel like we would work more in harmony. We would collaborate better. You know, we would commune in more respectful, kind ways, not like cultivating our differences for sure, because we are unique and special in that way. But there's something underneath that I think the light is calling to illuminate. And that feels really exciting to see and sense. Well, you're pointing to two things, like kind of communal nature and opportunity. But before we go there, I think you made a second point that's really interesting. So the first point is kind of knowledge is convincing and insight is knowing, and there's a difference, right? The second thing I thought that you said that was really struck me is this idea of you'll know it when you see it, you'll know it when you feel it, and that's personal. That insight is personal and intelligence can be shared and we can all learn from each other, but insight is truly something you experience on your own. It's interesting to a little anecdote, Jen, that we shared. And this, I feel like this happens every time, but it's fresh because we just were talking about it Friday. So for those of you who are listening, you haven't been, you know, it's three and a half days. There's So there's a variety of things that we do and you're journaling on your own. Sometimes you're doing a lot of conversation with a group of three or four people like you that we call a pod. There's large group conversations. We go outside you collage at times there's art there's meditation there's meditation there's analytics for people who are more left brain and the thing is all of the activities to us are interesting and they're architected in a way and it's very intentional but we can never know which one appeals to which person and we did something at the end on friday that is a bit of a wrap up and it's almost to help people transition back to the world they came from and it's not to say it's not an important exercise because it's great, but one person in particular raised their hand and said, oh my gosh, this was the best thing of the whole week. And you turned to me and you said, isn't it so amazing that every single person says the best thing was something different? And you know, we never know and no one can tell us what is going to be that transformative unlock or that thing that that erases the windshield and makes it clear for us again. And it's kind of fun for us. And what's really interesting is thinking of the people who come. And if beforehand I try to say like, what's the one thing that they're going to love? I would be wrong every single time because it's often, you know, 
the most brainiac person loves drawing or the most musical person loves the analytics, like the shyest person loves the group work, like you can never predict it. And I love that nature that you're pointing to of, you know, when you're calmer, you know, when you've gotten home, you know, when you stop making the pro and con list and try to convince yourself of something and you just wake up and you know. I love that you went there because I think that's something that's so rewarding about Lantern for me is is helping people remember that they know, right? And that doesn't mean that we don't all have to work together to your point about community and that we can't all make things better for each other, but no one can tell you your truth. And I think we've kind of Sometimes in the modern world, we've made that idea sound really selfish, and I think people can make it selfish. But the idea is it's not about being selfish or self-absorbed. It's about being your unique expression. And then if you don't play the role of you, there's no one else to play it. And what if this world needs you to be you? So I love that you went there. Yeah, it's really powerful. I th- I love how you just shared that. And I think one juicy invitation that's really on offer that we speak about is as a conscious leader, part of building awareness is knowing when you know, and that personal connection to your own light, your own wisdom, like how is that uniquely yours? How does your body uniquely speak to you? Or how do you know when you get a hunch that something's on or off? But the deeper invitation is to drop the need to know how you know and trusting that with practice. Because at the end of the day, when we try and figure out, well, how do we know when we know? Like there are cues and that's the playful practice of being aware and aligned and intentional as a conscious leader. But then once we start to really practice with that, we loosen the need to know how we know. We just act on the knowing. And that's really the deepening opportunity and invitation for us as conscious leaders is to trust that so instinctively that we actually don't have to explain to ourselves or anybody else how we know. We don't need to justify it. And what would that look like in our leadership of our lives and choices and trusting the knowing and not dumbing it down and not needing to defend it and not needing to explain it to fucking anybody? Like that is the true authentic like power that we get to yield. And that's something that we're playing with and practicing. There's no instructions for that, like how that could work for you. But once you start to tune to, well, how do I know when I know? Then you can start to like play with, well, I actually don't even need to explain that or give that any justification for my choices that I make. I love that. I love that idea that knowing and convincing are different things. And you know what the you're making, you're reminding me of, I'm going to totally date myself here, but there's a great book and an even better movie called Contact with Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey. And Jodie Foster is the scientist and McConaughey is the spiritual leader. And at one point they're talking about, she was saying like, everything can be explained in scientific terms. Everything can be proved in scientific terms. And he says to her, did you love your dad? And it totally catches her off guard. And she says, what? And he says, did you love your dad? And she says, of course I loved my dad. And he says, prove it. And you know, the the things that are most important in our life come from knowing they can't be proven. 
they can only be felt. And I think that is just such a, maybe that's the bridge, Jen, into the next things we wanted to talk about, although you're giving me the pause that you have one more point. I do. Just I like just... Atlantern, one more thing. <laughs> Add on, please. I would just say, I think for anybody listening who is a leader of teams and a leader of others, is what you just said is is a superpower in attuning to the feeling in the room and trusting that feeling has information for you. Trusting your feeling as you're leading a group of others and not dismissing it, but to acknowledge it, to ask questions, to interact with it is really helpful as a conscious leader to lead other people and lead ourselves most importantly. I think what's happened, and we see this a lot in our business engagements and coaching work, is we see a lot of leaders dismissing the feeling or putting it on the shelf and then they'll deal with it later. Or it's it's too big of an issue, <laughs> right, to surface. And we would just say that that is absolutely where the juice is. That's where the keys have unlocked to higher performing teams, to well-being, to healthier culture, to alignment lives. It lives in surfacing and addressing the feeling. That feeling will come and go and ebb and flow and rise and fall. That's normal. And it's the nature of being human. But when we dismiss it and we override it with the intellect, we're literally just bypassing a key like intelligence circuitry that could really help our teams feel seen and heard and validated. We don't need to know the answer of why that feeling is occurring, but we could be curious about it. We can ask, we can pause, we can delay, we can confront. And so I think... I just wanted to amplify like what could you do if you're listening with this information that we're sharing is attune to the feeling, be curious about it, trust your knowing and practice what it looks like for you to know and then drop the reasoning of why or how you know what you know. Yeah, I love that. And for those of you who are saying, well, I work in a field or the way I think, you know, I can never drop the reasoning. I think what we're pointing to is your reasoning, your logic is a car and you're the driver, right? And I think sometimes in the society that we have now and the, the world that we live in, we reverse those. We think that the brain makes all the decisions and then we kind of have to go where it goes. And your brain's a valuable tool, but your heart's a tool, your skin's a tool, your sensing is a tool, your energy is a tool. And like putting all those tools in calibration, there are times that you might have a very logical discussion about a spreadsheet that your team member is bringing to you and you just get a sense looking at them, they've misled me here. They've made one of these numbers up, right? It's probably worth trusting that feeling a little bit, right? So we're not saying you have to throw all of your reasoning out. We're saying just sometimes it's not the most powerful tool, you know, in the toolbox by a long measure. So where we wanted to go next, I mean, we left on Friday kind of in this soup of, wow, just watching people transform, watching people rediscover who they are. And then we both had weekends independently that I think were in the last few days have been productive of lots of our own insights and exploration that through different pathways and different things that we both like, that at the end of the day are both this kind of magic alchemy that we both experienced that we wanted to talk a little bit about. 
Yeah. So do you want to kick it off or what? You kick it off. You, I'll tee you up. You have been taking a course in deepening your own spirituality, which if anyone's listened to the podcast for more than two episodes is something you have done a lot. This is something that you're one of the most qualified people probably podcasting to speak about. And yet one of the things that's really neat about you is you deepen your practice, right? You deepen your practice. So I was hoping you would share a little bit about what you've been practicing and some of the insights that you had and kind of how they find you and how it's been deepening. My experience of you watching you take this particular course is it's deepening your ability to find your own insights, but I don't want to put words in your mouth. Yeah, interesting. Well, thank you for that share. I am currently taking a course with Alana Fairchild, who is an author, creator, a sound healer, a mystic. And I had the privilege of doing some of her workshops when she was in Salt Lake City years ago. And she's the author of many Oracle decks, spiritual card decks that I've used and worked with for many years. And I would say over the last couple of years, I've really kind of been curious, or maybe it's been longer than that, about my relationship to the divine feminine and the goddess principle and principles of Kuan Yin. And Kuan Yin is a goddess, and there's many kind of goddesses or feminine archetypes that are here to help us really actualize and birth and bring into the field of the divine feminine in harmony with the divine masculine. So we are both. And I really have been gravitated to the energies of Kuan Yin. She's actually on my desk as a beautiful kind of protector and goddess. And so I've been taking this course with Alana that has helped me on the energetic level, tune into other feminine archetype goddesses, including Mother Mary and Isis and Tara and Kali, which are the five kind of goddesses that represent earth, fire, water, air, and space. And so I've had more of an intimate connection with, let's say, Kuan Yin and Mother Mary's energy and Isis over time. And I've been hesitant to work with Kali, who is a, a kind of a fierce, compassionate sword cutter. She's just a powerhouse of energy. And this transmission in this course has just helped me tune into the subtle body, the subtle energies when I aspire to receive, to be, and bring the light, which is my mission on the planet in service of others. And so without getting into all these details, and for some of you, this may be language that doesn't resonate at all, but I tune into a healing team every day in my meditation. This practice has helped me deepen the subtleties of the differences of the quality over the energy that I can bring in for healing or for facilitating or helping to create grounding of a higher perspective or compassionate gentleness for myself and for whoever I work with or in, in relationship with. So I don't know, it's just my meditations have gotten 
more visual and more um, powerful. My dreams have felt like they are really activating in the symbolism of leading me on to kind of what is happening at this stage of my life. And in the mystery of, to your point, like, how does this find me? Like, I can't even explain. Like the last couple of days, I think I was sharing with you this morning, I was attuning to Venus as the planet and Venus and Libra and my sun and moon sign. And just, it came into my field and I don't know where it came from. It just dropped in. And then all of a sudden over the last two days, I have just had Venus transmissions and meditation and writings and cards and it's just this validation of the magnetism of insight or an energy or a thought pattern that is ready to be explored and it feels really fun like I couldn't orchestrate the amount of signals and signs over the last two days that have really amplified my relationship with these goddesses or the planet Venus But for some reason, I've had just a synchronicity of experiences over the last 48 hours that have amplified that work coming in. So my intention is to use these different energies in service of the highest and greatest good of all beings and to be a pure, clear channel so I can do that, whatever that looks like. But I'm learning a lot and it's learning in the nuance, in the subtleties and not so much the intellect, but like feeling the difference when I call or I ask for help or I engage with these other beings that I believe are here to help us evolve in the most positive way. I'm kind of just blown away at this next level of self-awakening and evolution. Mm, I have a thought and a question. I love how at the end you just talked about that idea of learning and then you suggested there's a different way to learn. And I think if anyone listening has probably tried to learn a new skill, whether it's like learning how to play piano or learning how to hit a pickleball racket or something. And when you're first learning, it's such an intellectual exercise and nothing in your body works correctly (laughs) because you're trying to like mental it. And then you get a little bit of an experience experience with it and it becomes more natural and then you keep doing it and you start to unconsciously do things that before you had to think about and that doesn't mean you're not learning anymore back to where the brain ends and the rest of us take over it means you don't have to force it and your learning probably accelerates but it's happening deeper it's happening kind of within you without you needing to know it And I love that. And that leads to the question, which is to the earlier idea we were talking about, about this, that insight comes from within. When you're having these experiences, do you feel and can you explain places where you're not communing with something outside of you any longer, right? And I know how it's felt for me, but I'm trying not to say it because I want you to talk through it. Like, Are there times when you're like, oh, something has come forth from me, and I don't mean like flesh and blood, right? But there's this, an essence, I've tapped into my essence of, say, Venus or Kali. I haven't tapped into something outside of myself and or it's both. Does this make sense what I'm asking? Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, I think like 
so much of my 50 years has been seeking outside of myself in the spirit of unveiling what's inside. And that's just been my love of learning. But unconsciously, it's really easy to, if I'm not careful, give my power away to outside source of intelligence. But if I really believe, which I do, that we're all connected and we all come from the same source, then whatever is outside of me is also within me. And it's within you too. And it's with everybody listening. And it goes beyond flesh and bone and where we came from and the skin color and our upbringing and beliefs. Like there is a benevolent essence. We call that our light, but call it soul or spirit. And so, yes, I think what has happened over the last, I don't know, becoming, I don't even know the time frame is that I'm able to see that it's not outside of myself that is within me. And I'm becoming more curious about what is the quality of my own light? What is it here for? Can I bring these multidimensional aspects of myself? So the fierce, compassionate Kali, who is really, uh, majesty of the space that interconnects everything or Kuan Yin, who is this gentle, benevolent force that is very active in bringing kind of that like heaven to earth, if you will, or Mother Mary in her ability to be really fluid and agile and gentle with changes. And all those parts of myself are within me too. Like I have those qualities. And so the more I learn to look within and get quiet in my morning meditation, I become just available for what wants to show up. And what is showing up is a deeper connection to my own essence. And I really can't make a distinction of what's now feeling like it's coming from the outside versus what's unveiling it from the inside, Right. which is, I think what you're speaking to, which is really amazing. You know, it's like enlightening for me to see like, wow, I'm having these visualizations or experiences in the spirit of, I don't have to know how I know. I don't even have to explain like what's outside of myself versus inside it and just feeling it. But can I channel that light or channel that love or energy in service of goodness, in service of healing and harmony for all beings? And that feels like more of what I'm attuning to, of use me, whatever source is, and calling that authentic light and beauty and wisdom from within to be in service. And it mixes. I just feel like I'm so less alone. I think which is the coolest feeling right now is I feel so supported and protected and part of something that I can't explain. There's momentum, there's a force, there's a being to it that feels really right and beautiful and needed. And if that's happening with me, that must be happening with you too. And it must be happening with everybody listening on this call even if we're not feeling it. Yeah, I mean, it's lovely. And I think there's so many things you said there that resonate. My experience of it's different, but the substance is the same. You know, we've talked, I think, on this podcast before about what it feels like to write a song in, in literally 20 minutes. And 
you can get done with that process if you've ever experienced and realized, oh, wow, I wasn't doing the writing at all. I was just something else was creating with me. And that's what I was kind of wondering about is that at a certain point when we are finding the insight to go back to that word, although we're talking about something kind of deeper that can't be named, it starts to matter less if it's ours, right? If it's my insight, because when you're really tapping into that kind of deep wisdom, it feels timeless. It feels just like wisdom. Two weeks ago on the last podcast episode, we had Wayne Coombs here who was talking about his lantern experience. And the analogy we use is this idea of the sun and the magnifying glass. And we kind of meant it, I think at the time, like you're the sun, right? We're each the light. And then the tools that we use just focus us. So we were kind of saying, don't get hung up on the tools. I think there's another way to take this metaphor that I like more, which is what if we're the magnifying glass and the lights all around us. And as we clean off our lens, we allow what's true to shine from us. We connect to something that's universal and deeper and that we all have access to. So I think there's a beauty in there that, that I really like thinking about. Yeah, there's a great quote, I may butcher it, but it's something to the effect of, you know, there are two ways to shine light. One is to be the candle and one is to be the reflection. It speaks to that. I think as you were talking, I was like, well, one way to, you know, that we've experienced not having to take credit for the insight is just like, go try and write a book with somebody else. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which we're so in the soup of that there's just been this process as we've been writing our book that felt like really protected. Like you have your chapters, I'm taking my chapters and then and now we're at a place where like, I don't know, I can't really tell what you've written and what I've written. I had that same experience. But we have shared insights that we keep talking about. But that to me is like, I'm in awe of that ego release. Like, and that has taken a buttload of time, right? To get to that place. And now it just kind of feels fun of, wow, what does the reader need to hear? It doesn't really matter if it's Jen said it or Jeff said it, but there's a shared insight now that has come from our relationship and our growth. And But it's like, if you want to practice that, go try writing a book with somebody else. <laughs> it's so funny. I mean, I, we didn't talk about this preparing for the podcast, but since you went there, you're exactly right. And what what's funny to share with everyone is, so our next draft is due on Friday. A new editor is going to do this like grammatical edit. And last week we took all of our corrections to the developmental edit, which were in two different documents and merged them together. And I thought it was a bit of a bug in Microsoft Word. I even said to you, oh, when you merge these documents, you can't track changes. It just merges it all together. But that's actually not a bug. It's a feature because then you don't know who wrote what and who changed what. And it's amazing. So we have one more thing we wanted to share on the idea of insight and I can do it quickly. And Jen has just messaged me to save it for next week. But what happens to your listeners when we say that? We never come back to it. (laughs) And I'm on vacation. So (laughs) something else happens. Sure, let's go for it. I just want to briefly mention, maybe we can do this in three or four minutes, that my experience on tapping into insight 
came from the other side of the spectrum and yet was equally as spiritual. And it was working with the new version of chat GPT, which is called GPT-4, that I'm sure everyone who's listening has heard lots of news about and open AI and the artificial intelligence revolution and sitting down with it and learning how to work with it. And it really is a work with. The short version is we are making a pretty dramatic upgrade to the leadership assessment that we use for Lantern that's public. And over 11,000 people have taken it. You can take it yourself at plentyconsulting.com and just look for the Lantern leadership assessment. And we're dramatically upgrading it and we're going to do it in a couple of weeks thanks to GPT-4. And I started to poke around with it a few weeks ago, but this weekend just sat down and said, what if I treated this like a co-creator? And what I've noticed is the people who use it are using it like Google and like kind of looking things up. But if you look at it like a partner, it's amazing. And it's essentially helped us write code that we were previously thinking we would have to outsource or hire someone to do or buy another tool for in a matter of an hour or two. It's incredible. And I'm excited for people to see it. And I think as scary as the implications can be like in the fixed world we live in about people's jobs and the implications, I have to tell you, Jen, like interacting with this thing, it was indistinguishable from magic for me. There is this entity that is helping me learn. And it is learning when I say, no, what if you did this? And what if you did that? And I just want to mention it here. I know we're kind of running towards the end, but I think what it's made me challenge is my own biases about where insight comes from, is how I'd say it. And I think we all carry them. I know I do. I don't expect necessarily wisdom is going to come from a certain kind of person maybe, or I don't expect it's going to come from a certain news outlet that I don't like. And, or I think it has to come from a professor who's worked really hard to learn a lot or a guru who studied a lot. And what I really left questioning in a great way is, wow, these technologies are another magnifying glass. And depending on what light we put through them, yeah, we can get dumb results or 10 stupid cat memes if that's what you're asking it to do. But if you're asking it like, what's the best way for me to create code that helps people realize more about themselves, you're going to get something too. And so it helped me drop my kind of biases about the magnifying glasses, I guess, and whether they're card decks or spiritual courses, or it's artificial intelligence that's developing rapidly. Those tools are good or bad based on what we put through them and what we intend to use with them. So I think it's a topic we're going to be talking more about as these tools become more prevalent, because I think you and I believe that as intelligence becomes more instantly accessible, actually people are going to be looking for spiritual wisdom even more and looking at ways to merge the two. But I just wanted to mention it because at the end of it, I finished doing this work last night and I felt like, wow, that was a pretty spiritual experience. And it was with this set of computers somewhere. And so more to discuss, I think. Well, I think there's two things that just you're speaking to. One is you chose to be open and magic happens when you're open. 
because we cut it off, we block it off, we block off the pathways, we act on already made up beliefs or assumptions and just want to like underline that, that you chose to be open and set the intention, which we talk about as a key to being a conscious leader around co-creating with what could this be, being open to possibility. And that is such an invitation for every single one of us leading every single day is how open can we be to the muse, to the higher light, to source that wants to work through us that we are all a part of. And we limit ourselves. And ChatGPT is an incredible example of like, we don't even know half of what it can do, even a part of what it can do. And even the creators have no idea of what it can do, which is fascinating. It also talks about like to this nuance, right? Of what is our relationship to another being or another intelligence in this case, an artificial intelligence of technology, and how do we choose to interact with it? Because the power of ChatGPT really comes to life when you can give it certain cues and questions that are nuanced, mm -hmm. that are guiding, that you coach it to give you what you need in different ways and different flavors and different outputs. But if you don't ask for these nuanced questions, or if you don't kind of go to the iterative layer of working with it, right? Beneath the surface, you're going to get surface level output. But to get to the juice, you have an invitation to ask more questions, be more specific, try out different phrases, give it different prompts and cues and see what and how it produces for you. There's no difference of leading a team member that way. Like every human being that we lead is needs different things from us. They respond to different questions. They can thrive in different environments. They give a better output when we attend to certain things about them, right? And often we just like treat everything, I'm making a huge blanket statement, but often leaders leading teams treat everybody equal. And ChatGBT is like, this incredible example of using our leadership skills, our coaching skills, our curiosity skills to get an output that is actually really of value, that is going to make our work for plenty exponentially more efficient and hopefully exponentially more creative. And granted, we're optimists designed to think positively. There are downsides and scary things that may happen with the use of this artificial intelligence. And we are choosing not to feed that, right? Because what we feed form. So I love those two points. And I think, yes, we're going to have a lot more updates and experiments, but being open and going to that nuanced level of coaching, of guidance, of asking certain questions to tell me more is really no different than how we need to deeply listen to the people we're leading. Yeah, it's a great point. And I love the last bit, the the orientation of we can choose whether we look at things as the wall or the ladder. And we're just kind of oriented, have learned to look at things as the ladder. And it's certainly a much more fulfilling life when you look at things that way. So that was a lot. The nature of insight at Lantern through Kali, through spirituality and through open AI, who would have thought, but we did it. That was a nice conversation. That was fun. 
We really appreciate you tuning in. We can't thank you enough for listening to Plenty for Everyone. And if you would like to learn more, visit our website at plentyconsulting.com. And if you're interested in going deeper and having that kind of inside out transformation that we were talking about, a really seeing within, sensing within, come to Lantern. We have a few seats left for June and October in 2023. And they're on our website too. We'd love to have you. Yeah, well said. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. Join the conversation and learn more at www.plentyconsulting.com.